This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Let's get ready to get into the word today, though. I think I've got a good word, hopefully, for us. Uh, in fact, uh, why don't we all stand up as we turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I want us to stand up, uh, and we're going to read a scripture together. I'll give you a second to turn there if you want, or you can also feel free. Uh, it should be on the screen. Um, so uh, I don't hear too many pages turning, so I'll just uh, sound like we're going to go off the screen today. <laughs> Wednesday night I was preaching and everybody was turning, so I had to allow extra time for people to turn. So I guess that means that the people that come on Wednesday night love God more. Maybe I don't. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, let's. <laughs> sorry. Uh, let's go ahead and read this scripture. I'll, I'll read it for us. Uh, Ecclesiastes 4, uh, verses 9 through 12. It says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall... One will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a three-fourth cold is not easily broken. Amen. So let me pray one more time for us. Father God, in Jesus' name, as we get ready uh, to move into your word, I just hope that, ask that you'd help us to all have uh, attentive hearts and minds to receive uh, what you have for us today. I ask that you'd help me, Lord, to speak the word that you have for us. Uh, help me to speak your words and not my own, Lord God, because we know that it's your word that doesn't return void. It always goes out and accomplishes everything that you want it to accomplish, Lord. Uh, just help us, Lord, to, to receive everything you have for us today, and we ask it all. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated. So, I, uh, if you can tell by my cutesy little picture that I have on top of the screen, today we are going to be talking about the joys of marriage. Uh, and uh, it kind of, last week Pastor Dave was up here, uh, when he still had his appendix, he was up here... <laughs> Uh, teaching to us about families a little bit. And so uh, whenever I heard uh, that I was going to have to get up here and speak today, I thought, well, I'm going to go right along with what he was talking about. He was talking about family, so I want to talk today about marriage. And uh, I want to talk specifically for a couple minutes here about the benefits to marriage. Something that always drives me nuts is that in popular culture, everybody just talks about what a drag marriage is, you know, like it's like, the old ball and chain, she's going to, when you get married, it's going to drag you down. And, and even worse, like uh, we start telling our kids and our teenagers, you know, you got to just start preparing now for when you get married because it's such a drag. You have to make sure that you've got your job in line, just everything in line because you have to be prepared for what a drag marriage is going to be. And I don't think that's the case. I think that, in fact, marriage is – very uh, amazing and awesome. I mean, it's, e- it's kind of easy for me to say since I have such an amazing wife and we work well together. But uh, it's not just me saying that. There's been lots of studies that have come out and proven that there are actual many tangible benefits to being married. Um, the first one uh, that I'll have her put up on the screen there is that they've done studies that prove that when uh, married people, it actually makes you richer. Um 
There was a study in the Journal of Sociology that revealed that married uh, respondents experienced personal net worth increases of 77% over single people. So people who are married tend to, over the course of their life tend to have 77% higher net worth than people who are single. Uh, and which is just the opposite of what we would think, you know, well, I'm not going to have any money anymore because I've got to give it all away to my wife or my husband or whatever. But it's actually the exact opposite. Married people have a much higher net worth. Almost That's almost 80% more uh, over the course of your lifetime. Uh, the other thing it does, uh, next thing, uh, is that married people actually have lower stress. Um, there was a study at the University of Chicago uh, that suggested that married people have less dramatic responses to psychological stress. Um, in this study, people were put through a stressful academic sim- simulation, and the single he- people measured much higher stress than the married people. So when you're uh, married, you've got someone there to help you cope with the stress of life and everything. Um, I know some, uh, some people think, well, just being married just, just adds an extra layer of stress, but it actually being married gives you an extra protection against stress. There's so many benefits to marriage, and I just love talking about marriage. I could get up here and talk about it all day, and I have the mic, so I just might. Just, and uh, Pastor Dave can't tackle me and stop me because uh, he's a little hobbled today. So, just <laughs> but he said he's still the he's still head pastor, so he'll send someone up here. Um. Uh, but uh, you have lower stress, but also uh, married couples are less likely to be depressed. Um, there was a study from the University of Virginia that showed that single people in their 20s are more likely to drink to excess, be depressed, and report lower levels of satisfaction with their lives compared to, to their married peers, their mar- uh, to married 20-somethings. And it's just, uh, I think it all kind of comes down to when you've got someone to share life with, to share your burdens with, it just makes life easier, despite how we've been, you know, we've been taught through the popular culture that being married is just a drag, you never get to have any fun, but it's actually quite the opposite when you start doing things God's way, when you do things the way that he had us do it. Um, I'm going to keep going here, but uh, there's something else that kind of surprised me, but it says that uh, married folks actually get better sleep. Than single people. Uh, there was a study by uh, the University of Pittsburgh, and it found that women who reported being in a happy marriage also had better sleep. The happier the woman reported being in their marriage, the easier they found it was for them to fall and stay asleep. And uh, it also said that they also found, uh, unfortunately, that uh, divorced women tend to have worse sleep. Than married people, and that's why it's so important for us to do our best to stay together, and that's what we have church here to help you all the best you can, um, but married people do get better sleep. Just bear with me here. Uh, ooh, here's a good one. Married people tend to live longer. Um, there was a study, uh, according to a study by the uh, Michigan State University and the University of Cincinnati, uh, living with a partner lowered the mortality rate for men by 80% and for women by 
But listen to this. It says the lead researcher uh, said that marriage had an even more dramatic effect on longevity than simply living with a partner. So you can't just find someone and move in together and think it's, you're going to live longer. Uh, it said many assume marriage and living together are the same, but it says the research showed that uh, cohabitation generally led to a shorter lifespan. Uh, married people live longer, but uh, I think one of the reasons they found for this is that uh, the study shows that uh, married people tend to engage in less risky behaviors than married people. It's especially like you saw there, uh, men live 80% longer, whereas women only live 59% longer. And part of the reason for this is that there's actually a thing – I don't think there's a scientific name for it, but they call it uh, the nag factor. And that's because us married men, we need women in our lives to tell us to not do stupid things. In fact, uh, bear with me for a minute. I found a few pictures of some single guys I wanted mainly to put up on the screen for us. <laughs> yeah. Go, uh, go to the next. I don't know how well you can see these, but these are types of these are from single guys. These guys uh, do not have their wife there to tell them. Oh, geez. He's standing on top of a flagpole, on top of a two by four, on top of a ladder, doing something there. I, <laughs> that looks like something I probably would have done when I was still single. And I, I'm pre- I'm sure I did something like that. Let's, oh, this one is my one of my favorites. I don't know if you can see here, but they're eating lunch at work, and there's a big sign that says poison and no eating or drinking. And uh, the funny thing is I was actually talking uh, to Robert yesterday. I, he didn't know I was going to talk about any of this, but he was telling me that uh, he got in trouble a few weeks ago because he works at, uh, uh, at the Marine base, and so they have like a big – some sort of an oven for uh, cooking uh, – working on their uh, the parts for the uh, the military vehicles. And he said that he got in trouble because he was uh, warming up his tamales in the oven. <laughs> and you know why he was doing that? It's because Susan wasn't there to tell him that he shouldn't have been doing that. <laughs> but uh, we do – us men – need our, our li- women in our lives to help us. It does make us live longer. But also you saw the same thing uh, for, um, for women. Women also tend to live 59% longer than, uh, than single women. Um, and here's, here's another one. Uh, may come as a surprise to some, maybe not so much to others, but married people have better sex. I hear. I know. Now, uh, I know. Sorry. I think we're mainly all adults here, so any kids can just earmuff it for a minute. Um, but you know, the joke on every time you watch TV and movies, the joke is always, you know, you know, once you get married, you're just going to be celibate for the rest of your life. And they've actually done studies that proven that this is the exact opposite. Uh, it says, in truth, there was a study uh, by the University of Chicago that uh, married couples have the most sex and are happiest with their sex lives. Not single people going to clubs and having one-night stands. And uh, 
when they did this study, they were actually so upset because it's a, a secular university. They're wanting to prove just the opposite, that there, there's no reason to get married because you're, you're just going to you know, ruin your life forever. And they came up – when they actually did the study and were honest with their evaluation, they found the exact opposite. Married people have the most sex and the best sex over single people by far. I guess that's funny. <laughs> um, but um, anyways, uh, the, uh, that, back to that scripture we kind of opened up with. It says that um, a threefold cord is not easily broken. So um, if you have a, th- a threefold cord, that would be – the way we look at it as Christians is you've got your husband and your wife, and you have God right in the middle of it. And if you have those three things, it's not easily broken, and they've actually proven this as well. Uh, these are all benefits to marriage that have been scientifically proven. Um, you probably uh, – Pastor Dave alluded to this last week, um, but you may have heard uh, people say that uh, Christians divorce just as often as non-Christians, that the divorce rate among Christians is just as high. Um, and it depends on how you look at the study. The way that they came up uh, with that number where they were saying this uh, is the, the survey went more or less like this. What is your religion? And everybody in America, if you ask them what their religion is, they're going to say, I'm a Christian. And then the follow-up question was, have you been divorced? And so then it's yes or no. So if you're asking an American what their religion is, they're going to say Christian. And, of course, if you use that methodology, then the divorce rate is going to mirror the secular society because you're basically asking secular people if that's the only thing that you're doing to see if people are Christians or not. But uh, they did a study where they actually – if you used a more uh, accurate definition of a Christian, uh, when they – Defined a Christian as someone who actively prays, reads their Bible, and attends church a minimum of once a week. The divorce rate is actually 20, anywhere from 27 to 50 percent lower than the national average. So when you're finding actual Christians, they pretty much never get divorced. I've heard it as low as 1 percent uh, in some studies. Uh, ironically, I stall, uh, there was a study – that uh, people who claim to be Christians but don't go to church actually have a 20% higher divorce rate than the national average. So these people who are just – maybe they're just so used to, to lying about everything, it's not a big deal for them to run out and get divorced. Um, but two are better than one, and there are lots of great benefits to being married. A threefold cold is not easily broken. Um, and, you know, when you add God into the mix, you really have – can have an awesome marriage. Now, I know there's lots of single people here today, and uh, you can still – some of you may want to get married, and some of you may not. For those of you that want to get married, I would encourage you – the Bible does say that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And you could say the same thing, she who finds a husband finds a good thing. Uh, The key word to me there is find. You have to actually be – you're not going to find something you're not looking for. Um. So if you want to find yourself a wife or a husband, you need to be looking, and as Christians, you need to be looking 
in church, uh, you know, Bible studies or whatever, uh, not at the clubs. Um, you know, if you've heard dad and mom say they, my parents met at a prayer meeting and then they were so focused on prayer, they didn't even notice that there was, uh, someone that they might eventually marry even at the prayer meeting, but they met at a prayer meeting, they got married and then had a hundred kids together. So, and that's why you have me up here. Just kidding. Um, but, uh, for those of you that maybe don't want to get married, just maybe take notes and you can share it with your friends on, on, uh, all the benefits of marriage. But, uh, for a couple minutes here, we looked at the benefits of marriage, but some people don't necessarily always have the best marriage. So I want to look for the next couple minutes on, you know, what can we do? How can we have a successful marriage? And, uh, I think the number one thing is that uh, you need to learn to avoid bitterness and resentment. Avoid bitterness and resentment. Now, uh, if one person feels that they're being uh, unfairly bearing the weight of the relationship, then they're going to obviously start to feel bitter. And... uh, some of you may have heard me talk about this before, but that, a big uh, part of this is because there, there was a uh, there's a marriage author, John Gray, and he said that uh, men and women uh, tend to keep score differently in their marriage. And so, uh, what men tend to do is that we tend to give ourselves huge bonus points for every single thing that we do. And so. Uh, what happens usually is, you know, we get up for work. That's got to be what five, six hundred points right there. We actually go to work. Well, that's got to be at least another five, six hundred. Uh, we get to work. We don't chase any of the pretty girls around. We stay faithful all day, uh, and then we just do our job. We come. By the time a man gets home at the end of the day, in his mind, he's up four, five thousand to nothing. And so what we do uh, is, you know, we get home, sit down in our easy chair, put our feet up, turn on Sports Center. Now it's her turn to catch up because, you know, we've got 5,000 points to nothing here. Uh, unfortunately, women score very, very, very differently. The way women score is uh, you get up, that's one point. You go to work. There's one point. We're, she's proud of us that we didn't chase any of the pretty girls at work, so there's another point. You got three points right there. And then by the time he gets home at the end of the day, he's got three points. But maybe she's been cleaning, taking care of the kids. Maybe she went to work herself. So in her mind, she's up 10 to 3, and all he wants to do is sit down and watch TV and put his feet up. And learning this difference can actually, for some of us men, it can be very, very discouraging. One point, no matter what I do. But the fortunate thing about the way women score is that they hand out one point no matter how big or how small the act of kindness is. And so us men, I'm going to talk to you guys for a minute. We need to learn to really use this to our advantage. 
think about it. Small acts of kindness are what caused most women to fall in love with us in the first place. Just being a kind and considerate towards them. So the way that our minds work is we assume that uh, if we do something big and grand four times a year, you know, birthday, anniversary, Christmas, Valentine's Day, and if we go all out, that each of those events is just going to hold us over until the next big event. But in her mind, all you've done is four things all year. So you got four points right there, and you got a lot of catching up to do. But my notes are sticking together here. The good news is that we can score tons of points by doing virtually nothing at all once you realize how women score points. So when you get up in the morning, You've got up, so you got your point there. But take take 60 seconds and make the bed. You've done taken a minute out of your day, and you've got a second point right there for literally a minute's worth of work. Uh, I don't know if all of you all are like me, but sometimes in the corner of the room uh, by the laundry basket, sometimes my throw is off when I'm throwing my underwear in there at the end of the day. And so by the end of the week, I've got a nice underwear monument going over here in the corner uh, by where the laundry basket is. But if I just walk over there, pick it up, and just clean up my monument, throw it in the laundry basket, there's another point right there for virtually nothing. Uh, at the end of the day, take 60 seconds, clear off the dinner table. doesn't take much time, but you get a point for that. Here's a good one. Bring her a rose. You get a point for bringing her a rose. Uh, now, I did have to clarify with Julie, uh, 12 roses does not equal 12 points. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I know. Huh? So, uh, most women would rather have one rose 12 times a year than 12 roses one time a year. <laughs> now, uh Unfortunately for us men, that just seems so incredibly inefficient. We can't wrap our brains about it. In fact, I heard one guy, he heard this, and he so what he did was he went to Home Depot and bought a rose bush. <laughs> and he planted it, and when his wife came home, he said, Look, now you can get yourself a rose anytime you want. <laughs> just in case any of you men are taking, especially the single guys, if you're taking notes, that is a bad idea. Do not do that. Yes, yeah. Well, you never know. You never know. Uh, but here's here's a good one. You Plan a date night out with your wife. Now, I'm going to fill you guys in on something. Don't surprise her with it because that is amateur hour. What you need to do is tell her in advance because as soon as you tell her, that's a point right there. And here's where the point, this is where, uh, what do they say, compound interest starts to work in your favor. Because as soon as you tell her, she's going to tell all of her friends. And every time she tells a friend, you're not even there, but you're getting a point. And here, you know what the best part is, is that every time uh, you're getting a point for not being there, you're stealing a point from the person's husband that she's just telling so you're just getting double points right there. 
But here, here's a good one. Engage in meaningful conversation with your wife. And to many women, this means that she talks and you listen. But you actually have to pay attention and occasionally engage. So if she's up there, blah, 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 and you're like, oh, yeah, really? There's a point right there. And she's blah, 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 blah. I never thought of it like that. There's another point right there. Blah, 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 blah. Wow, that's a great idea. You get a point right there, and all you're doing is just sitting there and paying attention. I'm telling you, we don't get as many points as we're thinking, uh, like the 500 at a time, but it's not that hard to earn points with your wife. Um, but since men spo- uh, score themselves by giving huge bonus points, how uh, – would a woman earn bonus points with her husband? What, did, what would you think is a really good way for a wife to earn points with her husband? Hmm. We discussed it earlier when the kids should still be earmuffed, I guess. I don't know. But uh, that's, a, that's an easy one, a no-brainer for you wives. But uh, other than that, the obvious, another way is that you need to believe in your husband. Now, um, this seems easy probably to some of the younger wives, but honestly, that's just because uh, you haven't heard all the stupid ideas we're going to come up with yet. <laughs> Give it time, and you'll, you'll understand. But let me tell you something, though, for you women. I talked to the men for a minute. I told them – I told the men how to – I'm trying to – I got you, guys, you girls some favors going on here. I need to talk to you women for a minute. One thing is that it's not your God-given responsibility to keep your husband humble. Your default response to every idea cannot be, that's stupid. That'll never work. You could never do that. Because God designed us men to have very fragile egos. And if you talk like that to your husband... You're doing incredible damage to your marriage. Now, that doesn't mean that you're supposed to let him go off and do all his stupid ideas. You can steer him in the right direction. But, wives, your number one uh, most important goal needs to be you should be his number one fan. If you're always telling him that his ideas are stupid and that, uh, and that he'll never amount to anything, you, you know, What you haven't done, you haven't taught him to quit having dumb ideas. What you've actually taught is you've taught him that he can't share his dreams with you. Because you're not going to get him to stop having stupid ideas, but you can teach him that, well, I better not tell her. And you know what happens? If your husband never shares any of his dreams with you, then you really need to start evaluating your marriage. Why isn't my husband dreaming with me anymore? And... Usually it's at this point when he's no longer dreaming with you that there will be some bimbo walk by at work, overhear one of his stupid ideas. Oh, that's a great idea. And then the next thing you know, there's been an affair start. Because uh, it says most, most affairs actually don't begin for sexual reasons. Most affairs begin for emotional reasons. So wives... 
you have to be his number one fan. And uh, it actually says uh, that this is especially difficult for wives of successful husbands, like doctors, lawyers, business owners, even pastors. Because all they ever hear is people telling their husband how great he is. Um, but they think it's, you know, their job to keep their husband humble. So, you know, they'll get home. You know, everybody thinks you're so great, but only I know what a true moron you are. Uh, and you, <laughs> that's – it's it's funny, but it's also serious. Like, you're – it's not your job to keep your husband humble. It's your job to encourage him and be his number one fan. Uh, you know, anytime that I preach or lead music, it doesn't matter how many people come up afterwards and tell me, you know, I did a great job, or Pastor Dave says I'm not allowed to preach anymore. Or just, <laughs> um, but the, really, honestly, the one person that I always look for is for Julie to tell me that I did a good job. And I, you know what? I honestly don't even care if the only reason she's telling me is because she's hearing this right now. Yeah, it, it means a lot when I hear it from. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. You can still tell me I did a good. Just kidding. But uh, uh, the one person I want to hear it from is Julie. Um, but we've talked about scores. So a lot of times, the score it's not always even in marriage. So what are we supposed to do? If the scores become just grossly uneven, if one person is way out of line and one person hasn't been doing anything. And this is my second uh, thing I want to talk about is that we need to keep the reset button handy. Now, uh, what I mean by this is uh, back when Pastor Dave and I were younger, uh, we used to have uh, a Sega Genesis. Does anybody, I don't know if anybody remembers the Sega Genesis. Uh, and see, the thing was, is that uh, I know you'd be find it hard to believe, but old Pastor Dave here wasn't that great at video games. <laughs> and, you know, I was actually thinking about it. In hindsight, even though I'm the older brother, that's probably the reason that he's the senior pastor and I'm delegated to third string backup whenever mom and dad are out of town and he's just had major surgery. Because I've probably spent too much time on video games, and and he wasn't as good at them. But uh, so what would happen is usually I'd be given old Pastor Dave here a good walloping. And uh, the thing about Sega was it had a little reset button on the top, and so when things got to be just too far out of line, sometimes old Pastor Dave here would sneak over and hit that reset button. And you know what happens when you hit that reset button is score goes back down to zero to zero. And you know what that did is it just prolonged his walloping. But that's (laughs) – no, but uh, seriously, God has really – he's given us all a reset button. And that reset button is forgiveness. If you're holding on to – Bitterness and resentment, you're only hurting yourself. Uh, Pastor Dave said it before, and I've heard others say it, but uh, holding on to unforgiveness and, and, and bitterness is like taking poison and hoping that the other person's going to die. All you're doing is poisoning yourself. Um, Colossians 3.13, I'll have her put it on the screen there. 
it says that we need to make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. I think this is especially true for our, our spouses. And look at this. I, I underlined it there. It says, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And listen here. Forgiveness uh, is an act or a choice. It's not an emotion or a feeling. You have to choose to forgive whether you feel like it or not. Forgiveness is saying, you know, I forgive you, and I will never use it against you ever again for the rest of our lives. I'm not going to hold this against you because I forgive you. The score's back to zero zero, And I will never speak of it again to you or to anyone else. When you forgive, we've, we've, you know, you forgive and you forget. And forgiveness is as much about your tongue as it is about your head or your heart. I talked in, in, the, in the, um, the marriage meeting on Friday night a little bit about how we need to learn uh, when to, to bite our tongue. Uh, you know, is it, we say forgive and forget, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you literally can't remember it anymore. Uh, you know, when God, when it, the Bible, you know, when God says he forgets our sins, but that doesn't mean that God, like, forgets our sins like, man, I know Julie did something stupid last week, but I can't quite remember what it was. No, God chooses to forget our sins and throw them into the sea of forgetfulness and never bring them up again anymore. And that's our example. We have to choose to forgive, and we have to choose to forget. Um, now, today is actually Communion Sunday, and I want us to do something a little bit different from how we normally do communion. Uh, if I could have the ushers come up real quick uh, and get the communion ready. What I want us to do today is uh, I want us to actually take communion together with our families. I think this is the perfect chance uh, for us to hit the reset button. Um, maybe some of you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe some of you need to forgive. But... I want to say, uh, in fact, let's go ahead and stand up if we can. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.